Hey everybody, welcome to King of the Ride Podcast. Ted King here, and here I am in Emporia, Kansas, home of Unbound Gravel. We wrapped up a terrific Gravel Locos down in Heiko, Texas last weekend, made the trip in the van to Kansas last week. That basically saved us a flight back home to Vermont and near immediate flight back to Kansas, even though we haven't been home to Vermont in a very long time. Honestly, this was the right choice, and it has been downright peaceful. We are enjoying this this civility ahead of the scrum that is unbound. The calm before the storm, if you will. Our time here has been great. And coincidentally, our guest today is on a similar program. Paige Onweller is our guest today. She's been kicking around the town of Emporia for the better part of a month, learning the intricacies of the Flint Hills, characteristic of the area, learning the course, acclimatizing herself to the weather. Now, you've likely heard her name before, as she's often at the sharp end of the race, but only within the past year. She really put her name into the ring as a contender in this gravel scene by winning Big Sugar 2022. And what else she has done as she makes the transition to gravel is downright impressive. It is bold. It is daring. So is Paige. She's a name to keep on your radar going into Unbound this year and for the rest of the season. It is so much fun to have these opportunities, like here in Emporia, to meet new folks to talk to the people who are making up this fledgling gravel scene. I appreciate the time. As much as this time in Emporia is peaceful, I'm also prepping for Unbound XL myself. Additionally, I am prepping for Tour Divide, which starts less than one week after the XL. Busyness is a thing, to put it lightly. The daily juggle of nonstop bike prep, actual work, training, life, family, the importance of health, that all has me reaching for AG1 by Athletic Greens every morning. It provides the vitamins, minerals, micronutrients, adaptogens, probiotics, all these things derived from real foods. It is an NSF certified company for the safety stamp of approval from a contamination standpoint, and the stuff just tastes good. Look, if you are tired of juggling bottles of vitamins, look no further than AG1 by Athletic Greens. It is as simple as it can be. Visit athleticgreens.com slash tedking, and you will pick up a year's supply of vitamin D plus five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, athleticgreens.com slash tedking. It is the daily nutritional insurance that I rely on to start my day, and I trust you will try it and be on board too. Do yourself a favor, visit that website. I know you're not here to listen to me talk, though, so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paige Onweller to the show. Okay, well, here we are on the porch, Emporia, Kansas. Um, we were at an Airbnb, and this morning, Christy Moan came over, and it was funny because I said, Christy, welcome to your hometown. <laughs> she, I want to say, is born and raised here. She is the uh, event coordinator of Unbound, so she's certainly at home here in Emporia. In a similar vein, I want to say welcome to Emporia to you, but I think you long precede ha- our time here. When did you get to town? Yeah, I got to town like uh, early May okay. for Lagrine, the stage race that's here. Yep. And then, yeah, I've just been home basing here since then. Nice. Yeah. And your 
2023, I want to say, has also uh, involved the acquisition of a van. Yes, I am uh, joining the Van Life Club. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. And got got the Sprinter van all set up this winter. And yeah. Yeah, now we're on the road. It's great. <laughs> and you, what, did you... Was it Borselman who helped put that together? Yeah, I hired him to build out the yeah. van, yep. I want to also say that you have uh, done a similar thing in that your van is sort of a, a mode to get from point A to point B, but then once you get, like, points A and points B are actual homes with without wheels and with roofs overhead. Yeah, most of the time. It's just nice to have, like, a home base. Like, yeah, everyone thinks I'm, like, living out of the van for extended periods of my life, and I'm yeah. actually, actually living my Airbnb life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, long-term rentals. Um, host families have been, like, really nice because it is hard to get lodging that's affordable for a month for one person. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, host families have been great. That's been good. Nice. Now, we... I want to say we met for the first time at Big Sugar 2022. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. Yep. I was like, "Hi, who are you?" <laughs> and we, and that was middle middle of the race. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Um, yeah. You were humming along and clearly humming along because you go on to win the race. Yep. How? A. Congratulations. Thank B. You. Really nice to meet you then. And C. How much expectation did you have? going into that race to end up on the top step yeah I feel like last year was kind of a a blur and like a roller coaster a lot of us experienced that you know I had an injury earlier in the year that really set me back um and just like a variety of setbacks um so can I ask about the injury yeah yeah what was it uh, last like April, I was just out on a training ride and yep. had some deeper dish wheels, and it was like a really loose gravel road. I had just they had just um, graded the road, yeah. and it was strong wind that day, like 30 mile per hour winds. Oh, so I planned a route that was like headwind, tailwind, but like it just changed, and I had some strong crosswinds, and it just took me out. Um, and so I crashed, and then I had gravel embedded in my knee, Whoa. so I had to have a surgical debridement uh, of all of the fun gravel that was. Uh, in the knee uh-huh. uh, so yeah I had the surgery and then thankfully like the joint and the ligaments were good um, yep. otherwise it's been a much longer recovery yeah okay uh, and then did you say that was also characteristic of 2022 in general or no that was just yeah. a hard start to the year yeah that was like a hard start to the year because I had like a solid month of like no training because I had like a bunch of internal stitches and like it was just a longer rehab I would, you know, couldn't bend the knee for a couple weeks so anytime you can't have a lower extremity injury I think it's more detrimental to your biking than yeah. like an upper extremity uh, upper extremity injury yeah. um, but then yeah after that I was like just finally starting to get fitness again in June late June and then I got just a really bad case of covid um and that set my training back again and then it was just like a very frustrating like season and i'm like what am i doing and (laughs) so i actually like went on to do a randonneur event um and that changed my perspective on cycling and reminded me that i love biking and it's Uh not all about the results and Uh then from there i went on and yeah i had a killer second half of the year That, that was good what what was the randonneur 
Uh, so we went from New York to Montreal, back to New York. So 750 nice. miles across four days. Dang. Um, and it was just so fun. Like anyone that doesn't know what randonneering is, it's like the camaraderie is the goal, not competition. And that's just like foreign for me <laughs> because my mind <laughs> is just like always focused on competition. That's just my personality. Um, but when you're coming back from injury and you have all these setbacks um, and you're not performing to where you want to be, it can be like really hard mentally as an athlete. So this was just like a reminder to me like go do this have fun and be surrounded by people that like could care less about mm -hmm. how fast you are mm -hmm. um and it was just like really cool reset for me and that was actually right before Leadville and I think I had like 30 plus hour a week going into Leadville uh, and I was like well I guess this is the anti-taper and yeah. I got like top 10 at Leadville and ended up doing really well so yeah I think just the mental reset was more important than the physical stuff for sure yeah, it's the anti-taper. It's also the anti-altitude uh, training. I mean, between yeah. Montreal and New York, you're probably never more than about 800 you know, feet above sea level. I had like, yeah, I got there like a week before, so I didn't really have time to acclimate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this year goes with a little bit of change. And 2022, Victor at Big Sugar. Um, this spring, you got what podium? Got third at BWR San Diego. This year, yes, third correct? at BWIM. Um, ninth, eighth or ninth in the Grand Prix overall last year? Ninth, yep. Uh, like you said, top ten, sixth at Leadville. Now, to our uh, uninformed audience or informed audience, y you only got into cycling in 2021, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, how much, I feel like cycling hit so many people's radar as a result of COVID. I mean, yeah. it's hard not to look at a, a right. big, long calendar. That was me, yeah. And so, yeah, talk about your entry into, yeah. into cycling. So, I guess, I, I mean, I started riding bikes in 2020, like that um, summer and fall, but my first race was, like, August 2021, like, for a mass start race. Yeah. Um, but I was a runner, ran in college, um, and then, you know, the classic story, I was just injured a lot, and it was yeah. just frustrating. Like, I like to train. Like, the racing is fun, and that feels like a different competitive side, but, like, the training and enjoying that process is something that I enjoy. So when you're injured, you can't train, and then I get grumpy. So <laughs> um, uh -huh. I decided I would pick up a bike just to cross-train a bit more because I wasn't able to run the mileage that I used to in college um, and was trying to adapt the, like, less is more approach with, you know, the running. So I started riding bikes just for fun, and, you know, I was on an old borrowed bike, like, had no idea what I was doing. Like, clip-ins were stressful, like, cornering. Like, I just thought, like, Michigan gravel was super sketchy, you know, uh -huh. and meanwhile, it's like champagne gravel. Yeah, <laughs> so it is heavenly up there. It is very nice, yeah. Um, but, yeah, starting off, I just thought, you know, this was, like, insane that people do this on two wheels. Right. Um, but, yeah, slowly just kind of started enjoying it, but it was always a, a way for me to get in shape for running. It wasn't until I started Zwift racing that winter that I started to realize like this could be a competitive outlet for me um, yeah. so yeah I started Zwift racing and then that was the first time I saw power and it removed the physical um, component of cornering, pack riding tactics, things I had no idea what I was doing you know yeah. um, and so I just raced on Zwift hard against these other like really strong women and then realized like well, like, maybe I should learn how to ride a bike outside. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of started off on the time trial road uh, eSports trajectory, and then the more I did that, I just wanted a little bit more and signed up for gravel and just fell in love with the community, really. It was a stark contrast from the road scene, um, and that, that really drew me to that. And how about as you were in the throes of 
Zwift and eSport and, and power numbers and so forth. When you're racing people online, it's hard not to... I, uh, I'm, I'm figuring out how to phrase the question. I take eSport racing with a grain of salt because unless you're racing in the, what do they call it, ZRL, where you like literally have to sh- create a video, and maybe you did do this, create a video of you holding a weight and weighing yourself and putting the weight down and calibrating the weight and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Were you just like killing it from the start? Did you win every race you do? Because I feel like I go in completely fresh and fit and still get the doors blown off me when I race Swift. Yeah. So when I first started, I was doing like the community league races and I, I had, I was getting dropped fast. Yeah. Like, I Because there's a learning curve there. Oh, so much. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? You know? And then you kind of do a few and you learn. It's yeah. very different. You know, there is tactics involved and there's a, a skill to esports as well. So once I started learning that, then I was winning a lot of the community league races. But the same thing, it's like, are they weight doping? Are they truly, you know, like, is their power, like, accurate? You know, like, it's always in the back of your mind. I'm like, oh, that seems weird that they're just blowing by me and I'm pushing 600 watts, you know? This is weird. So then I got recruited and I started racing just in the Premier League. So, yeah, we had to do video weigh-ins of us. And this was, like... The first season, you know, that I partook in, it'd be like, you could weigh in in the morning and, you know, do your weigh in when you're lightest, send the video over, and then great, that's your weight. But then as the season progressed, um, the next season we had to do weigh-ins, I think it was like within 90 minutes or two hours of the race. So if you're racing at like 4 p.m., like you're eating and drinking all day long, and then you have to weigh in like fully kitted up with socks and everything. Uh, Yeah, then you step on the scale, you weigh the weight. And so that to me was very unhealthy in a way because like that just triggers a whole nother topic probably a whole nother podcast really but um the reality is like it did make it more legit and we were all on a zoom call so everyone had to show their face and the bike uh you had to dual record you know and it had to have the accuracy and those had to be submitted um to zada like right away after and yeah so it was pretty it was pretty legit it's super legit um But it was like the technical side of it was frustrating. Like if you had a power dropout, you're just out of the race, right. you know. And it's like this is dumb. Like it was so frustrating, and like the nuances of calibrations and making sure everything was just right was that was stressful. Yep. And so I feel like a lot of people get into cycling by way of Zwift, and then then go find the road. It sounds like correct me if I'm wrong. You went from gravel to Zwift back to gravel. Is that right? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, I was training. I never raced outside, though, prior to doing Zwift. Um, so I kind of was just, like, straight into, like, Zwift and then time trialing. Because I think, like, the community that was involved in with that time kind of was like, well, you can't learn how to ride a bike. Like, this is probably better for you to devote your resources to, like, something you don't have to think about drafting and tactics and group riding. Because what age are you as you are doing this? I'm 33 now, so yeah, 31. Okay. Yeah, young 30s. And let's let's jump in the way back machine. You were a runner in college. What sort of distances were you running? So I did cross country, indoor and outdoor track. Um, so we did 6Ks. I was at an NCAA Division II school. Um, and then in track, I was like middle distance. So like 1500 was my specialty. And then I'd do the 1200 lead out leg for the DMRs relays. Um, yeah, some mid distance. And what sort of training hours does that look like as a collegiate athlete? 
Um, in college, I was running about 70 miles a week pretty regularly, um, which is a lot less time than a bike. Sure. <laughs> and then, yeah, more uh, runners do a lot more core um, and body weight stuff uh, than cyclists. Um, yeah. And then after college, I transitioned more to like the longer stuff. Uh, so I did rim to rim to rim and ultra marathon oh, wow. in the October 2020. Super cool. Yeah, so it's fun. Uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to Ferris State University for undergrad and then, yeah, PA school into Grand Valley State. Yeah, well, you're talking about your PA career and, and that is a whole other thing that I do want to talk about. Sticking with, as you're getting into the sport, is this entirely in Michigan? Yeah. Is it Grand Rapids, Michigan? Yeah, it was in Grand Rapids, yep. Which I say so fondly because uh, the first pro team I raced for was uh, Priority Health, which was okay. a very much Grand Rapids-based team. We yeah. had a nationwide team and international team, but yeah. between Bissell and Priority Health and nice. team training camps there, yeah. the riding there is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, it's nice. Um, rolling hills, like you said, champagne gravel, you're within... A relatively short distance of like Traverse City and the riding up there is yeah Traverse City is great spectacular yeah yeah I mean it really was a wonderful place to live and train minus the winter <laughs> exactly yeah and so you what do you study undergrad some sort of pre-med nuclear medicine does that entail? So, like, a nuclear, nuclear medicine technologist, um, they do, like, PET scans and, like, uh, radioactive uh, yep. studies on patients. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, and then you end up at PA school. Basically, you, you at what point do you become a PA? Age of, what, 25, 26? Uh, graduated 2012, so, yeah, eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, no, I guess, no, that's when I graduated uh, undergrad. Sorry, I have to, I'm so old, I have to think back here. <laughs> you know how it is. I you got many years on you, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, mid-20s. It was seven years of college for me. Tell me about, basically, your career as a physician assistant. Yeah, so... Was a PA the last eight years, um, pretty much all in urgent care and emergency medicine, so acute care. Um, I did do a little bit of time in primary medicine or primary care, but that was not for me, like yeah. the nine to five grind. Um, and in like acute care, like emergency medicine, um, patient comes in with a problem, you fix it, you know, you have a giant gash, like I put in 20 stitches or staples, send you home, you're better, broken arm, you know, get you into surgery or cast or splint it and send you home with ortho, you know, so it's like a problem, you fix it, and it's like kind of a task that I can execute, because that's my personality type, uh, yeah. like I'm a doer, uh-huh. um, and then in primary care, it's very much like you have diabetes, you'll always have diabetes, yeah. here's, you know, these medications, most patients weren't motivated to change by diet and lifestyle, and that was frustrating to me, um, so it was just like all these chronic illnesses that I really wasn't fixing. I was just managing. Um, so that's why I've always been drawn more to like the acute care. And I love procedures, like the fast-paced environment. Um, but the ER is like, you know, and even the urgent care is, it's a lot. And COVID definitely changed that as well. Um, various challenging times. Um, but yeah, I worked um, kind of just as a PA and then like I was doing the last couple years more of an administrative role as well I was our department lead and so I was working on like the schedules product you know um, patient experience improvements um, doing peer reviews for my colleagues you know setting their salaries like like kind of a higher um, 
administrative role. So I was seeing patients less and less and doing more like business admin and yeah. thinking about getting my MBA, like kind of going down that track of climbing uh, kind of the, the corporate healthcare ladder, so to say, but was working a ton. Yeah, <laughs> um, I imagine. Yeah, so uh, it was it was a lot. Um, yeah, so that kind of transitioned, um, and then I left that job to go work in the ER to have a bit more of a flexible schedule, um, but it's hard because you work every other weekend most of the time yeah. and every other holiday, um, and then as I started bike racing, it just became, like, very difficult, like, I had, like, no weekends off. I was either at a bike race or taking care of patients, working. So I was like, all right, something's got to change. And, so. I mean, sort of summarizing the past 10 minutes, as you're getting into cycling, as you're balancing this career, at what point does it, it strike you that maybe I could, maybe you could pursue cycling as a career, as a, as a way out of medicine? Yeah, I think it wasn't until, like, last year I started thinking more about it. Um, I had cut my hours back at work, yeah. um, and so... I've got to introduce myself. I've met, you've met my wife. Okie doke, come on up. <laughs> okay, y'all, Ted here, talking to you, the listener, real quick. Look, porch culture is a thing here on our street. We walk as a family up and down the street before the kids go to bed, and everyone is out on their porch socializing, hanging out, waving, saying hi. It is glorious. So right now, our next-door neighbor has walked up to say hi to introduce himself on our Airbnb porch. Love it. Okay, back to the show. See, it's the porch culture that I really like around here. Yeah. But it's just, we walked last night, and I don't know, I feel like every other house, everybody's out on the porch just saying hi, walk. You don't see that these days anymore in communities, you know? I love it. Yeah, I've been here this whole month, and the community's been great. Like, yeah. it's been really nice. Nice. Very refreshing. So, that balance, the the balance of the medical career to, to yeah. cycling as you're getting into, like, at what point does it become valid that you can pursue? Yeah, so, like, last year, I started thinking about it midway through, mostly because I... I if I'm being honest, I think I was getting really burnt out in medicine, um, and I just, like, didn't really want to be around it. Um, and then at the same time, I saw, like, my passions shifting to the bike, and I also, like, saw issues that I, like, wanted to work to fix, uh, like the women, gender disparity. Um, that's a big thing that's, like, you know, heavy on my mind. Like, we need more women on bikes, you sure. know? Um, and so I kind of... Yeah, and then I started to recognize that I was like, I am performing against these women that are racing full time. What could, I started to question, what could I do if I devoted more time to like the efforts? Because it just was a balancing act of flying into a race, flying back, and just not being able to dedicate the time to recovery and all those like important things off the bike. Um, Mm-hmm. I always found time to train on the bike, but it's just all that other stuff. So then I started to question, like, what could I accomplish, um, you know, if I didn't have this other stressor? And, uh, yeah, but then it's a matter of, like, finding support uh, with the right people. Um, and I'm very big on, like, not having a salary that's based off of podiums. I just don't think that's, like, healthy for the athlete. And yeah. I hope in time our industry can move away from that format um, for, for the athletes. Um, 
so yeah, I was kind of toying with the idea of like selling my house and funding my own season to an extent, and yeah. then like just making it work to see like what could I do for one year, and then like hopefully land a larger contract uh, with with companies. Um, but then obviously like Big Sugar changed that, and I was I had a lot of opportunity after that, which was very nice, and it just validated what I wanted to do already, yep. um, and then gave me like a financial security um, and comfort um, that removed that layer of stress. So how outlandish do you think it was even applying for the grand prix the first year the first year it was super outlandish like i i didn't even have a mountain bike yeah. <laughs> like okay. I, great answer yeah i mean i just kind of threw my name in thinking like i want to show that i'm interested in these events and then i'm i'm not gonna get in but i'll prove myself you know and i think my like application I explained, like, I just haven't had opportunities. I was like, I've had one, like, I had, I was fifth at Gravel Worlds, my first mass start race. That was your first race, August 2021. Yeah. I did some time trials yep. before that. Okay. Um, and then obviously, you know, esports. But yeah, first mass start bike race was August 2021. Um, there was like a local race, but it was like a rolling start because of COVID, so I don't count yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so first mass start bike race. And then, Barry Rubey was at fall and I got second there. Um, and so I really only had those results to my name. Oh, I got seventh at Iceman. So, right you know, that was, that was there too. Dry year or wet year? Uh, it was a dry year. Okay. Yeah. I've done it once and it was a healthy oh, addition. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Um, so I kind of explained, I was like, these are okay results and probably not top tier, but if you understand my story, I think you'll have a better understanding of why I should be let in. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I think... You know, thankfully, I Michelle um, with Lifetime. I met her, I think, that year, and so she learned about my story, and I think that helped. Um, But yeah, just like you need that opportunity to prove yourself at the higher level, Uh, because I couldn't even get into those races. I didn't know you had to enter the lottery, and like the whole process, I still was learning. Like I didn't even know, I didn't know what Big Sugar was. I didn't know what Unbound was. I didn't know what Leadville was. (laughs) So yeah, I was learning all that at the same time. It's. It's very refreshing to talk to you because you're you've done these races that you can count on one hand. Like you're, yeah. At this point, you can count the total number of races on two hands or more. Yeah. Whereas I'm this, I've raced hundreds or thousands of times in my life, and and I mean the sport needs a refreshing outlook. I'm thinking of. Uh, well, I'm thinking of things that hopefully we'll get to later. So let's just, we'll, we'll stay on track. Um, <laughs> how far along the, the idea of selling your house and hitting the road have you gotten? Did you sell your house? Yeah, sold my house. Okay. Um, just, yeah, I didn't want anything tying me down, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I sold my house, um, which was like... A freak thing because my neighbor bought it. I like texted actually at Big Sugar because uh, I was in the process of putting my house up for sale like even before Big Sugar, which yep. just kind of shows you like I made the decision before I won that race. Right um, so meanwhile, like I was down at Big Sugar, my realtor was scheduling like you know the shoot and putting up the sign, and so I texted my neighbor who was a friend and said, "Hey, I, I, I wish I could tell you this in person, but I want to give you a heads up. Like you'll see a for sale sign. I'll talk about it with you when I get home." Um, but 
people wanted you to not be caught off guard. And he like texted me back. He's like, I want to buy your house. Let's talk. And I was like, off market. I know. I was like, take the sign down. Um, so that was like a super smooth process. Um, and yeah, it was great to have him, you know, there cause he knows he was like my handyman. Like, you know, it was like uh, the house was not built in the 1930s. So like, you know, single woman trying to fix stuff. I I had to have him nearby. (laughs) So, um, he was just very helpful and knew the house well. So it was an easy, easy transaction. Uh, what does, where, what? It's late May. Um, you have some, some interesting races on your 2023 schedule. So, for example, you raced the Sea Otter Road Race, I think, and then the next day did the, the Fuego 60-some-odd mile mountain bike race, which is probably, what, like your third mountain bike race ever? Uh... I have to think about it. Yeah, third or fourth, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think um, my fourth. Iceman, yep. Schwamigan, Leadville, Seattle last year, Seattle this year. Okay, yeah. so you're up to what? All the fingers on one hand. <laughs> what does your 2023 schedule look like? Yeah, so 2023 uh, started off with a lot of road racing. Um, so even before BWR, when I got third, I actually did Redlands three-days stage race. Nice. I, I didn't stay for the fourth and fifth day. I was yeah. sitting top 10 GC and uh. left to go do BWR. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I started off with a lot of, like, I even did a lot of crit racing, hopped in some of the men's races for those um, and some of the women. Um, yeah, did a lot of road to learn. Because, like, as you can hear, like, I don't have that tactical experience. Um, and just learning, like, momentum on the bike and speed cornering all these things um so i did a lot of road racing earlier in the year um redlands gila you know road race before because let's be honest i'm not gonna win sea otter <laughs> like i know that uh and i very much like stay in your lane yep. and i accept like where i'm at mm-hmm. now i definitely wanted to see improvement from the year before but for me like i kind of knew like unbound is a higher priority so i said well i might as well race on loaded legs sure. um, but it's hard mentally because no one knows you race the day before so it's like you know you're struggling on tired legs and it's like yeah. You know, you just have to put, you have to like be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, put your ego down and just be like, this is the best that I can do for this day. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, leading in the unbound that everything was pretty much like load the legs, load the legs, like experience tactics, learn, learn, learn. Um, I hired a skills coach that I was working wow. with for mountain biking off road. Yep. Um, and that was really helpful. Um, and then yeah, unbound is coming up here. I did Lagrine, the stage race here in Emporia just to test some equipment. Yep. And then, yeah, Unbound. And then I'll do USA Pro Road Nationals, a time trial and road race. Um, Which is what, two weeks later? One week later? Uh, th- three. three weeks later, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Knoxville? Uh, two and a half, because it's like the Thursday TT. Yep. 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 In Knoxville. Yep. Did you race that last year? No, I had, um, yeah, I had COVID, but I also just wasn't, you know, yeah. in healthy condition and sure. didn't have like a road bike. I was on a gravel team, so I didn't have support for a time trial bike, time trial wheels. And that stuff's like really hard to dial in for sure. So, yep. yeah. Uh, carry on after nationals. Yeah, so then after nationals, then I'll head to, like, Crusher, and then it'll be more, like, the typical gravel calendar. So, you know, Steamboat, Leadville, um, Schwamigan. Uh, I'll do the Rad, you know, and... uh, Foco Fondo um, yeah, yeah. with Zach and Whitney's uh, race and yeah, the rest of the lifetime, Big Sugar, obviously. It'd be nice to have a repeat there. Yeah. Uh, Iceman's on a schedule again and yeah, USAC, Gravel Nationals. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. For shooting off the cuff and not 
preempting you by saying you need to know your schedule. I think that that sounded pretty thorough. Yeah. Um, where do you suppose your skill set lies? Like, that's a that's a super broad schedule, and maybe your answer is you're just gonna you're learning on the go, so I won't say anything yeah. else. Where where is your skill set? Yeah, I mean, like power based wise, um, yeah, I would say I'm an all arounder, um, but I do really well with, like the long sustained efforts. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I think I did so well at Leadville because it's like two big hard climbs, and yeah. I love that stuff. Um, Which is nuts at altitude. Yeah, I mean, it, it just sort of throws a wrench in in conventional thinking. Not yeah. to mention. You're not five foot nothing. Right, yeah, I'm five, five nine. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not like a tiny. And it's funny, like, I'll be honest, this is one of my pet peeves in the industry and in our our environment is people kind of just assume I'm not a climber. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, hold my beer, yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I enjoy climbing and I my power to weight ratio is still very good. Um, and I've talked to my coach a lot about this too. And like, I'm a very good climber. Um, and so, yeah, those like sustained long climbs are. are are great i like them a lot so anytime you can put down power and make the heart race hard just by constant pedaling like that's probably going to suit me well um the punchier stuff like i i can do well with too and altitude like knock on wood i seem to perform well at like at gila i went right there after um sea otter so i had like zero acclimation and like i had a really strong power numbers um at one of those stages um at altitude so that was like really reassuring as well um to know that like my body does well at altitude and i kind of knew that but i just haven't had experiences at altitude like how much like i don't know how (laughs) i'm gonna do like i've had two races at altitude my whole life um so yeah still figuring that out um but yeah i think for me strengths i'm still learning uh tactically uh that has been a weakness last year I've learned, especially verbal tactics. I tend to be like, ooh, like, let's be nice and, you know, let's all work together. And yeah. it's just not that way. Um, so I'm learning to be smarter there, um, but trying to do that, like, with a certain finesse that keeps respect. Um, sure. And that's, you know, hard to navigate sometimes. Um, the crit racing has actually helped, and the road racing has helped a lot with that because I wasn't racing necessarily with teams, and so I had to be more aware of what was going on. Um yeah, so I would say, I don't know if that answers the question or not. That was a but, wonderfully yeah. thorough answer. I don't want to say crashing is an inevitability in cycling, it but uh, <laughs> it's probably an inevitability in yeah. cycling. Have you had any major wrecks? Yeah, I mean, that, that crosswind crash was yep. pretty bad. Um, and I've crashed a lot, especially in mountain biking. Um, and like when you're learning, like you just you just go down a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've crashed a ton, but thankfully, like I haven't had anything that's like had major setback. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that I race cautiously in a way. Um, what I mean by that is I give room. Um, mm-hmm. I have the power and strength to like. You know, some people really have to be tight and, like, you know, maybe they're not as strong, like, physically, but tactically, Mm -hmm. like, they're really good at drafting and they can sit in and conserve. Um, But I've found it's just safer for me to avoid. Like, I've been so close to crashes where if I was a little closer to the wheel, I also would have went down. And this is also for the road. And I've been able to, like, narrowly escape a lot of these crashes by just giving a tiny bit of room. Um, It does take more work. And sometimes the people behind you will, like, yell. Maybe they think you're dropping off. And, like, I'm just being smart. (laughs) 
right, <laughs> this right. is my comfort you're level. Like, you're welcome. Yeah, and it's smoother. I'm learning it's smoother through cornering, sure. and I'm not burning matches like surging, um, and I can just kind of close it like more evenly. But I don't know. Maybe that's not like it's definitely not the roadie mindset. So I think like sometimes mm. when people race with me, like maybe that annoys them. But um, I don't know. It keeps me safe. I've avoided most crashes. Yeah, I mean, self-preservation is a wonderful first step in cycling. Um, yeah. Continuing the ability to race, even if it, you're having to wait, you use an extra 20 watts every now and again. Is, right. Is, is 20 watts worthwhile? Yeah, and I, I also think it depends on the race. Like my risk, my like, I'm. I feel like I'm always doing this calculation of how much risk do I want to take. Like on a training ride, I'm like, something really gnarly comes up. I'm like, do I need to do this today? Like, why? Like, I'm just going to get up and walk. And maybe people will like judge me when you're never going to get better. I'm like, well, there's a time and a place because it also takes mental energy and I can't always, you know, be that on. Um, And same with races. Like there's certain races where I'm like, this isn't, like I see Otter. Like I had to be very aware. Like I do not want to ruin my whole season pushing my limits. I pushed my limits to a certain point um but for me like it was about staying safe and making sure it didn't ruin my season and it's a weird way to like view a race that's like you know super important it's part of the lifetime grand prix um but yeah i just i kind of pick and choose which ones i'll take risk at yeah who if you don't mind saying who is your coach uh, Lucas Wall uh, with Tavello Coaching. Um, so Alexi Vermeulen, he yep. has the same coach. Yeah. Uh, he's Michigan-based. Um, right. Started working with him about a year ago now. Uh, made the change, and yeah, he's great. Like nice. it's it's been a really good fit. Do you think? I mean, obviously, you're coming from an endurance sports background with running. That that has to be a benefit. Yeah. But it's not as. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not as though you're doing. I don't know. What what is the 70 mile week running look like? How many hours is that? Yeah, I'd have to do the math. So like 70... You're running at four minute miles, so divide by... <laughs> uh, I guess like if you're doing seven, like 10, 10 to 11 hours okay. um, would be, yeah, 10 amid to 11 Amid the balance hours. of academia. What's that? I mean, it said amid the balance of academia. I mean, that was also like your collegiate and... Yeah, right. And like lifting on top of that and like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, it is so fascinating. It's like you have jump-started into the big leagues, right? I mean, your trajectory, do you think, what I'm always curious about is, do you think that male and female cyclists in particular have the same trajectory? No. You have jumped to the the top very quickly, and I feel like it's something you don't see nearly as often in in men's cycling. Yeah, I I don't know, like... If you would have asked me that two years ago, I would have said the women's field is just not as competitive, and that's why I went to the top so quickly. You know, I mean, that's like a maybe one way to look at it. Um, but I think the women's field is highly competitive now at the pointy end. Um, and so the fact that I, like, jumped in right away with them with, like, not a lot of skill, um, I think, yeah, I don't know if it's the same or different. Um like, I think two years ago, the answer would have been different. But I feel the women's field is more competitive. But we just don't have the depth. I think, like, there's 10 or 15, you know, that are really, really highly competitive. Mm-hmm. But we don't have, like, 150 people starting in the pro field like the men do. Uh, we yeah. only have, like, 40 or 50. So the depth is not there. But at the pointy end, I think it's still highly competitive. Yeah. Um 
I want there to be more opportunities for women to like have that trajectory. Um, and I think the, the industry is recognizing that and giving more women those opportunities. Um, but yeah, the, the depth is not the same. That makes me think of Rosie the Riveter, which is located yeah. on your jersey. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, Rosie is on my jersey, on my helmet. It's a big part of like my theme, um, uh -huh. and I think it's just like female empowerment, like you know, we can do it type mentality, um, where just like the women go out and get it done. And mm -hmm. like I am super pumped that this year the women are getting more of their own starts and like very much are highlighting the fact that like it's a women's race instead of like who can just hang on with the men the longest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that. But I also think that like um, a big part of that to me is down the road, like trying to highlight the fact that women don't have a safe environment to be competitive with other women uh, for a learning experience. Like mm -hmm. if you want to be fast, you have to go ride with the men. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very rare to have like female only like really competitive environments yeah. um and i want us to change that um i don't know if i have like a perfect answer right now but i have lots of ideas <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to continue this conversation with laura um she did yeah. uh, uh an event what probably two months ago called grit and lux and it was okay. the same thing it was like there is a time and place to bring women into cycling for the first time, and then there is a time and place to, to empower women who are already at yeah. a very high level. Like, how do you make that even better? Right, yeah. Um, and it was it was really cool to witness from my peripheral view. Yeah, um, I'll have to chat with her. Yeah, it's, it's pretty darn awesome. So, yeah, let's continue that conversation. Yeah. Um, you said you're a doer. You, I feel like you have plans. You have visions. Yeah. You didn't sign any contracts for 2023 until the very end of 2022, very specifically. And it's almost mm -hmm. as though you knew that you were going to set yourself up for success. Yeah. I wanted to win Big Sugar. I knew yeah. I could, so I was waiting for that to happen. <laughs> that is foresightful. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, what? Presumably you had some, some suitors prior to that and yeah. you just said let's yep. hold this conversation I had some contracts on the line and thankfully they were all like patient and I just said like I need to wait until the end of the season to make a decision so that's so empowering because especially when the the calendar starts to read months that end in B-E-R like yeah. you feel like you are grasping at straws often to pick up contracts so yeah you've certainly landed on your feet talk to me about are you your own negotiator Yes. Yep. How has that whole process looked like? You said, for example, you don't like having podium-based results per se. Or Yeah, so I will say, like, I am my own negotiator, but I, you know, like I mentioned, my coach and then Alexi, um, and they both helped me through that process a lot this year. Um, yeah. And even, like, I remember reaching out to Pete Stetna, like, even the year before, because, like, I was like, oh, he's a grandfather of privateering, like, yeah. and he was helpful in answering a couple questions, because, like, who do you ask, you know, when you're new and navigating? Like, I also don't have, like, I don't know these people. Like, you know, I didn't know who you were at Big Sugar. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. I don't know who Ted King is. And I'm riding with him. So it's just like, I, you know, all these things are like, everyone knows who everyone is. And I'm like, I have no idea who anyone is. Um, so it's, that was hard to navigate just like connections in the community. Um, and then like getting outreached by someone. I'm like, is this a good person or is this a bad person? Yeah. Like I, you know, it's important for me to know um, mm -hmm. because I want to like, 
sign with companies that I think I can work with long term and that are going to value like me as a person and like my personality and understand that and um, yeah I don't really want to be like a passive participant in like a product and it's mm-hmm. just not who I am um, yeah so navigating that process was stressful um, mostly because like um, I, the contracts that I had on the line, like, were with good people, like, and I had opportunities that, you know, they were trying to do the best that they could to match other other contracts, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good position for me to be in, um, but I also, like, had to think long-term, and I also had to think, like, what was felt like the re- the best fit for me, like having a family on the road and these sponsors that I'm talking with, like, you know, do I enjoy them? Like, what does it feel like? Uh, first impressions. Um, yeah. And then ultimately moving away from podium based payouts, like I mentioned, I just think like that's a norm for a lot of our industry and a lot of the pro athletes. And, uh, I just don't think it's healthy for the sport. Um, but I also, like, I understand that model. Um, I think the triathlon models are also based on that from I understand. Um, but yeah, it's just nice as an athlete to have a protected salary. And the way I explained it to these, um, you know, companies is like, if you know me as a person, like you won't have to hinge money for results. Like I'm going to want the result either way, yeah. you know? So if you get to know me as a person, you, you, you understand that. Cause maybe there are athletes that are like, Oh, I just want the free equipment and the money. And then once they get it, they're like, you know, don't write, train or work hard. But most of us are not that way. Like right. if you're at this level, like you want to win, you want to get podiums, you want to get results, but you know, then you flat and it's like you get robbed of potential salary because you had a flat tire like that is part of our job and so to be penalized for that for the equipment that these companies are providing you with um you know that 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 i think is is hard um because you're gonna flat no matter what you're running at a certain point in time like we've all been there um and it's just like it's difficult, so I wanted to protect that in, in a way, and thankfully, like, was able was able to do that. Have you been able to do multi-year contracts? Yeah, so I signed a two-year contract with Trek. Nice, yep. good move. Um, were you you had a very good established job as a PA, which mm-hmm. you know uh, I have to assume it was decently well compensated. Could you use that as leverage, and not necessarily not necessarily leverage, but if the money wasn't enough, would you have walked away from the privateer program and said, shoot, no, no? like you were pursuing this? Yeah, I was going to do either, either way. way. Yeah, because I, I was also smart with my money before this, yep. right? Like I, I'm i 33 and, you know, I owned a house and like I was kind of frugally living. Like, right. um, so Got a great handyman next door. Yeah, great handyman next door. So, yeah, I think um, I kind of set myself well to like not necessarily need that money. The other thing that I've learned through selling my house and literally getting rid of everything I own is that like you really don't need much um and I think like that has been important just like restructuring my life to say like you know do is this a need or is this a want um and then like it's very freeing to be like (laughs) I don't need to be spending this like it's great um so yeah I think it's you know it's a little scary the biggest thing for me is like the insurance like not having insurance and trying to find like pay for insurance that is the 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 worst thing of the whole process if i'm being you know transparent it's not the money it's it's the insurance yeah no being a privateer being self-employed is um 
it's a pain in the butt a lot of times. Yeah, funding retirement accounts, yes. you know? Like yes. I always had like a, I had a great like retirement plan at my old jobs and insurance. You know, I worked in healthcare, so right. um, yeah, now it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do that on my own. <laughs> um, if we read the tea leaves, the game of Foursquare has just kicked off. Um, <laughs> my kids are back, and so they'll probably be making a little bit of noise. We can we can start wrapping up for the sake of uh, everybody's evening. I'm curious, um, you know, in the in the heat of event, something bad can happen. You don't want to have your income and your salary affected as as uh, the result of something outside of your power. How well do you react when things don't go well? Not great. I mean. I'm working on that in the moment. I would say not great, but then processing, I can process quickly. Um, and for example, like at Mid South, I came into Mid South wanting to win and planning to win, and like pretty confident that that I had a shot. Um, but you know, then I flatted mile ten, and then I'm like, that's a quick way to say goodbye to the yeah. Podium. And then it's just like <laughs> one of the first races of the season. I was like, I quit my job to sit on the side of the road fixing a flat, oh, you man. know, and then to finish seventh or whatever, like, and to ride ninety miles solo essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I had to ask myself, like, am I only doing this for the result? Like, yeah. you know, like regardless of any money or anything else, it was like, why? Why am I riding bikes? Why am I racing bikes? Like, what brings me value why is this important what is my worth like you know you just process all of that and then it's like I'm so glad that flat happened because then like it was just a good reminder heading into the rest of the season that like the results really shouldn't define you as a writer um and I think like the way our industry has worked for the privateers and self-employed that is like if your contracts are based that way it's hard to move away from that thought mentality um so that's why i think like we already have enough of that pressure as it is as athletes for ourselves um and so it's just nice to like remind remind yourself and have some grace and say like this is just out of your control and it's part of gravel racing like it's part of mountain biking any off-road racing you're just gonna have flats and mechanicals like I'm already trying to prepare for that for unbound like I I want to win unbound that that would be really special but I'm also like all right start preparing like something crazy might happen like how are you going to cope with that on the side of the road um yeah so I think it's just trying to think of those ahead of time because in the moment it's really hard to process because you spend so much of your thought energy and your time going into these events like you know the tour the tour divide for you and oh my the gosh. xl like how many hours have you thought about all, all the things um between the hours yeah. of 1 a.m and 3 a.m yeah <laughs> i think about tour divide non-stop yeah and then once i wake up the next day then i actually can like tackle that that list of things that i've put on right my what i love about the way this conversation has unfolded is we towards the beginning you talked about your randoneering program or not program, but that randoneering trip. Yeah. And and how you saw a bigger picture. You saw the forest through the trees. Yeah. And the point of riding a bike and, and what brought you motivation and inspiration and why you ride a bike in the first place. Because, yeah, getting caught up in results is sort of, I feel like, the state of where we are in gravel. Results are wildly important mm-hmm. for salary, for any number of reasons. Yeah. But it's also sort of the crossroads of where we are in gravel in general. Like, I, you know, when we line up in a week and a half, 
there's going to be, I don't know, 2,500 people. Yeah. And realistically, there's about 10 on the male side and 10 on the female side who are capable of winning. And the rest are there for any number of other reasons. Right. Bragging rights, health, having fun, having the community uh, achievement of, of personal effect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... You're competitive. I'm competitive. We still love doing well in events, yeah. but as long as I feel like, as long as there's still an appreciation of why you ride a bike in the first place, what the community is, what it means to us, yeah, then we're winning. I agree. And having people to remind us of that, mm-hmm. like after Mid South, I remember Ryan, one of the guys at Trek, just like said sent me a message like you have to give yourself grace if you're hard on yourself like this like you will not last you know it was basically the sentiment and it was like those are the people and those are the comments like that we need to hear as competitive athletes so like keep those people near and dear um and like for that to be a sponsor that reminded me of that um was like special to me just because like you said like we are so competitive and we need to have those reminders of like why we're why like why are we riding a bike it's not about the result um but it's just so much at the forefront of where we're at and like results and social media and all of those things uh you know going home after a race and not winning sometimes feels like a failure you know Mm -hmm. um if i'm being honest and it's like how do we like go home not feeling that way you know um and i've done some work like after sea otter like if you look at some of the pictures that were taken of me after like i was just so happy like and it was just like i love like i was so proud of myself (laughs) that Mm -hmm. i finished like not near the top and just super jazzed about the day um it's just like okay where do i get more of that page um sprinkled in (laughs) to the competitive side um yeah and having people in our life that we can also remind us of that that's huge um I, my 2022 has been characterized by a ton of really odd setbacks yeah. and I, I can, I know exactly what you mean of just being thrilled to be at the finish line yeah. and being like that alone is the achievement. And it's, and it is sort of a bummer because the immediate reaction from other folks is, Hey, how'd the race go? Or the bummer being, we internalize that as what was your result? Right. And, you know, there you are at 18th at Sea Otter. There I am at whoever knows what, at whoever race, not anywhere near the podium. And I'm thrilled. Yeah. That was great. Okay, here's X, Y, and Z, why I'm so thrilled. Yeah. So, yeah, it is those reminders. Yeah. Well, well, well. Here on King of the Ride podcast, we end with three traditional questions. One, what is your favorite place to ride a bike? Two, what is the number one place that you would like to ride a bike that you've never ridden? And three, with whom, living or otherwise, fictitious or nonfiction, with whom would you like to go for a bike ride? Oh, man. These are... Those are hard-hitting. These are hard-hitting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, boy. Okay, let me... So, favorite place to ride a bike. And it's fun to ask somebody who is a relative... Yeah, I'm new. And you've been riding for two years. Yeah, yeah. Favorite place to ride a bike. 
honestly, like, I loved my riding in Colorado. Like, I, like, I was, like, at Leadville and Steamboat mostly, and just, like, beautiful. (laughs) Spectacular. Yeah, like, the mountains, um, like, just kind of being out, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, Excellent answer. So, yeah, that's probably a favorite place that I can think of, like, right now. I'm probably doing disjustice to, like, the amazing places that I've ridden. Um, Not at all. And then, where do I want to go? I, I want to do more international riding. Um, I went to Costa Rica and did some, like, mountain biking, backpacking there. And, nice. like, so, like, this off-season, I kind of want to take, like, a bikepacking um, trip, you know, yeah. and just, like, get off the grid. And, like, I, I don't know where to go, but, um, yeah, I think somewhere, like... Yeah, somewhere international that's just like off the grid would be fabulous. So, would you be? Are you taking somewhere warm? I mean, I'm thinking of the off season. Michigan is your born and raised home. Mm -hmm. Would you go Southern Hemisphere? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good answer. I uh, was in California this winter, so I escaped Michigan. I don't think I'll ever go back in the winter. It's just like I'm I'm done with that. Uh, Uh Yeah, I need need to be outside more. Was it much of a, how much of a big deal was it was bad weather as a runner when you were based in Michigan? Not a big deal like at all because like all. I okay. put sheet metal screws in the bottom of my shoes. So as one does. Yeah, you just go out and you run in the snow. Like it's very different running an hour and a half in sure. zero degree weather versus like riding a bike for four hours, like not being able to control your bike. You can't put power down, yep. you know, yep. Yep. running. It was just, yeah, strap on some spikes. You're good. Okay. That makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. And with whom? With whom? See, this one's always hard because I, like, don't have, like, a cycling, like, role model because I'm so new to this sport. Like, I... I don't want it to be a cycling role model. Like, like Kermit the Frog or, or Gandhi or your next-door neighbor. Like, they don't have to be okay. cyclists at all. So, I... This is actually going to come to fruition. Okay. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I love it. Uh, I have two sisters. One that rides bikes. She's actually in the From the Ground Up project this year. Oh, right and on. I'm going to do like lead nice. bikes. I'm super pumped about that. Uh, but my other sister, like, just really didn't want to try riding bikes. Like, just was adverse to it when our whole family kind of got into it around the same time I did. Yeah. But she recently got a bike and she went out riding for like the first time. And I'm going home uh, next week after Unbound. Nice. I've been like you know idealize you know just like fantasizing over going a ride with my sister Jessica because like it means that she's like trying biking and uh-huh. like that's just like so special to me um she's like I don't want to ride with you because you're gonna be so bored and like I won't be able to talk and and I was like no we're going for a ride together yeah. so I that honestly riding with Jessica my sister um pretty stoked about Thanks. so she had her first crash last <laughs> week uh, we talked about it um she crash drive train side up so it's pretty proud Perfect. sister yeah she's nice. learning fast i got a broken wrist but my derailleur hangers intact yep um i do want to wrap for the sake of you being able to go about your evening but now i'm curious as we're on this path you are i think you ended up storing a bunch of stuff at your sister's when you left michigan is that right no i mean i got rid of everything two totes is all i have there was something happened. Maybe you stayed at your sister's once, or you were. The point being, my quite. I heard. I heard you. You have two sisters. Yes, yeah, How has family and those closest to you? How have they reacted to you saying, "I'm going to leave my career that I have gone to graduate school for, and pursue this 
fledgling sport. Yeah, like I honestly was like kind of nervous about like my initial decision because I didn't know how my family was going to react. But um, I'm really close with my mom, dad, and my two sisters. Yeah. So they, like when I told them, they were like ecstatic about it. Yeah. Like they, they were super proud of me because I've always been like a high achiever, like all A's, like, you know, there's yeah, yeah, anything yeah. you could do, like I always do the best at, you know? And so I was just like high achieving person all the time. And I think they recognize that like, oh my goodness, Paige is going to do something that she wants to do and that she might have a better work-life balance and like joy. And I think like they were just really excited for me. Mm-hmm. Now I will say other family members like weren't always as understanding. Um, and, um, you know, like I think I, you know, aunt thinks I'm like down by the river, right, you know, right. like poor and, you know, I'm just like, no, like I have a really good life. And, um, yeah, I think it's just been hard to understand, like, why would you leave such a secure job to go ride bikes? Like people don't understand that. Um, I will say everyone in the ER and my old job and the urgent care, they were like, we're jealous. Like, we're so excited. Like, get out if you can. Uh (laughs) So, yeah, very mixed. But I would say nearly everyone was just happy for me and and, uh, excited. So, Excellent. So as a ambitious, motivated, high-achieving individual who's now spent a considerable amount of time in Emporia, Mm -hmm. is anything less than a victory going to be successful at, at Unbound? Oh, such a hard question to answer, and I'm trying to, like, not answer it. Like, if I'm being honest, if I don't win, I'm going to be upset, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, that's just where my mind is right now because, like, I'm devoting a lot of energy to, like, trying to win this, right? Sure. Um, now I think, like, getting a podium finish at Unbound is special um, because it's such a long day and so much can go wrong so mm-hmm. I don't want to be disrespectful and say that I'd be disappointed in a podium finish but I do really I would I would love to win this race and I want to win this race I've uprooted my life here this last month to like study and become one with the Flint Hill gravel mm-hmm. um, but I also recognize anything can happen um, I also know there's like other dark horses out there right that maybe I haven't thought about and um yeah, I just think I'm hoping something special happens out there for me, and I feel very well prepared. I feel similar to what I felt before Big Sugar, and I'm stronger. Like, I've been healthy. I've been training. I didn't, haven't had any setbacks since last fall, and I'm getting stronger, and I'm getting... I've seen so much growth in myself, even from last fall, like, by moving out to California and being able to train outside all winter, having a skills coach, doing all these road races to learn tactics. Like, I just... I feel smarter. I feel stronger. I feel ready to take on that challenge, but yeah, so it's a long answer to say like, yeah, I'd be disappointed in anything but a win, but I also know that's not the healthiest mindset either, if I'm being... Perfect answer. Yeah, I get it. You're, like the way I preface it, highly motivated, (laughs) inspired individual who wants to do really well, and you know the value of this race. Uh, How about other big goals? Is it Grand Prix? Is it... it Obviously, you want to go back and, and defend at Big Sugar. 
Yeah, I think more individual races for me, I think, is kind of how I go about it. Like, I do like to do generally well at most of the events. Um, but, like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say, like, I have a specific place in mind for the overall Grand Prix. Um, I think winning individual races is, is more special. Um, so, yeah, Unbound, high priority, as I mentioned. Big Sugar, you know, mm-hmm. high priority. Uh, that, that event changed my life, you know. So it just will have a special place, you know, in my heart. Um, Leadville, surprisingly enough, like, I want to do well there. Um, yeah, so those are kind of, like, some big ones and kind of going from there. Perfect. I will actually wrap this time. <laughs> uh, Paige, I really appreciate the time, the insight. No Thank you for for sitting down and chatting. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me.